Come on in, guys, because it's time for another episode of Outwatch, a Survivor Rewatch podcast. Oh, where the My name is Alex, your host and guide through our Outwatch journey. I'm joined by three of my friends here who are relative newcomers to the world of Survivor. And together we are recapping, rewatching and reacting to season 33 of Survivor, Survivor Millennials versus Gen X. And in this specific episode, we will be breaking down episode six titled The Truth Works Well. Maybe we will ask the question, does it? Fun conversations to be had. Um, before we get deep into this episode, you should meet my co-hosts as well. Um, as the reigning, well, not the reigning, but the current leader in Survivor Fantasy, um, Adam, you may go first. Welcome to Outwatch. So good to be here. Unfortunate I'm no longer the reigning anything. True. But I'll take it. Um. I am going to ask, you know, we always start with a fun question for our co-hosts so that you get to know them a little bit. Um, Right before we recorded, I explained the reasoning behind this. I love the opening sequence in this episode where on the Green Tribe, Jay, I, I think it's great survivor storytelling. It's about as good as survivor editing goes, where Jay is talking about his family. You get like his story and motivation for playing seamlessly into the sequence of him finding the idol which is fun and like well constructed into him finding it and then there's this insertion of the humor where he's like i find the idol and i i hear the survivor song in the background (laughs) and then they like actually play the survivor song in the background which i find to be hilarious and incredible and then into Michaela just like walking into the frame and catching them and just the whole all the air deflates, the music changes. They pull a confessional of Michaela being like, what's up, guys, or whatever. Um, it's an incredible sequence. And it had me wondering, OK, we've watched a good amount of Survivor now, three and a half seasons or so. Which individual scene is your favorite one that we have seen to this point? It's a, a hard question, but um, Adam, have you come up with an answer? I think, I think, I, I, I don't know if this is my favorite scene or not, but my knee-jerk reaction is the, like, uh, the talking head pieces for Johnny Fairplay uh-huh. like, later in Pearl Islands. Okay. Because he, like, he goes from like this really like, oh, yeah, like I'm Johnny Fairplay <laughs> to like he's a super villain. Yeah. Chauvinism. Yeah. Stuff. Like he's all disheveled now. And yeah. like, <laughs> I don't know. There's something really like, especially because he's the villain of that season. There's something really. Yeah. Like it, it's such a good like progression of him as a character. Yeah. Throughout the season. So. Not this other gem from Pearl Islands also involving Johnny Fairplay. You know what? I can get it out too. What the? F- <laughs> hmm. That's incredible too. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. The evolution of, of Fairplay into a true reality villain is, is pretty good TV. Uh, Emily, welcome to Outwatch. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, same question. <laughs> uh, which, which scene is your favorite to this point? I'm really stressed. My brain doesn't keep knowledge very long. Just think of like your favorite bit, if anything. The names of the Survivor seasons we've watched. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so, uh, things that stick out in my head. Here's what I'm going to take this a different direction, Alex. Please do. Here are the things that stick out to me because they are things that I've brought into my real life. Mm -hmm. They are the phrases that I echo every day. And sometimes the people around me get them and sometimes they don't. And I have to keep quiet. Cool. Things including, but not limited to, this isn't fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having fun anymore. The amount of times I have said that in my real life could not be numbered. This isn't fun for me right now. I, I have to be honest. <laughs> yes, I say freaking, that all the time. Freaking Garrett Adelstein. Come on. <laughs> also, just this past week, I think, there was a time, and I was with people who do not participate in this podcast. And Why not? It was a, well, that's a good question. <laughs> Emily's not selling it. It's on her. I know. It's my fault. I don't even remember what happened, but it was just a perfect time to say, I trust you. <laughs> I was like, they won't get it. That'll be weird. <laughs> Did you do it? I don't think so. I can't remember the context. Were you there, Adam? No, I, we didn't hang out this weekend. I don't know what it was. See, I don't even know like what my life is. I can't remember these scenes. But yeah, my answer is the the fun little quotes that are are spoken in such a weird experience. Yeah. But are universal to all. Yes. Get a get a get a line. <laughs> <laughs> also, cool. I say that all the time. There was I was watching something. I, I don't, and I, I will never remember what it is now. We're just like but a someone bunch of was like blank slates over here. Someone was like, "I'm not a cop." <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> it wasn't in reference to Tony, but I was like, "Oh my god, yes!" <laughs> hey, let, let me let me tell you a secret. I'm not a cop. <laughs> just kidding. Well, I, I didn't answer your question, Alex. <laughs> no, that's good. That's something that I have to say. <laughs> Because I seriously quote Survivor every week. Cool. <laughs> yep, that's very common. <laughs> that's a very good one. I'm so that was such like a fleeting moment. I'm so glad that we captured that that one cool. Yeah. And immortalized it. Uh, Scott, welcome to Outwatch. Hello. Um, same question, Scott. Which scene is your favorite? So, my favorite scene is. Partly my favorite, and also it's the only one I can remember right now. That's all right. Um, flowing it, throwing it back to Pearl Islands, we see our our hero just chilling, and then some people come over to our hero, and then he gets transformed into camping mode. It's the GMC Envoy. <laughs> <laughs> Survivor product placement is definitely it's. It's something. It is not subtle. No. It's definitely not subtle. <laughs> but it, the GMC Envoy changed my life. <laughs> Such a good scene. Yeah, that is very good. I, like, the long pauses. Jeff looking at it longingly. Yeah. Big, beautiful Dang. GMC Envoy. We love you, GMC Envoy. Yeah. You see that car over there? Exactly what <laughs> I love and crave. Yeah. GMC Envoy. <laughs> GMC Envoy is truly the only thing in this podcast and in Survivor that I trust. Uh, about to reveal the other clip from this episode, but will we ever be sponsored by GMC? Unlikely, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the 
the problem is, do they still sell the the envoy i think the problem is we're trying to sell a car that they don't make anymore that i think if problem. we if we shifted our focus to another gmc model that like the gmc acadia sure that's the that's car. the first gmc <laughs> i could think of it's a mid-sized <laughs> suv nothing gets the job done better than a gmc acadia you know you can go you can go camping in it does not have a pop-out tent though unfortunately well but you can camp in it still it doesn't have a pop-up tent but you can camp in you don't it. even need one and enough redneck ingenuity you can make a <laughs> this is this is what makes it better than the envoy is it doesn't need a pop-up tent to be able to camp in it you just can't mm-hmm. <laughs> yep uh the gmc acadia featured as a new refined exterior the exposing exterior features a bold design that's highlighted by a new front end and a new led headlamps and tail lamps what it's are we imposing, doing <laughs> imposing what an odd word to choose to describe a car this is one imposing vehicle <laughs> um my favorite scene i thought about this one a lot like um i stand by like the llama moment is the funniest thing on survivor perhaps Pretty ever <laughs> but i think my favorite scene do you guys remember um i'm pretty sure yeah it's the merge episode where sarah lucina goes out in Kagiyan, where um there's the two tribes right and they you think that Sarah's the swing vote, but then instead, like a weird mix of either tribe comes together to vote for Sarah instead. And so you've got like these three or four different plans coming in and then um, they are about to reveal the votes and LJ stands up and gives his idol to Tony. And then Tony stands up and gives his idol to LJ or maybe it's inverse. It's inverse. Tony gives it to LJ and then LJ gives it to Tony. And they're like freaking out because they're like, oh, yeah, we did it. And then they read the first vote and it's Jeffra. Yeah. And it's the wrong person. And she's freaking out. Yeah. And that she's freaking out. And then they read the rest of the votes and Cass flips, right? Because they didn't think they had Cass, but they end up do having Cass. So they end up having enough votes to vote out Sarah, despite, you know, them thinking, going from a sheer confidence to sheer, like, uh, thinking they're hosed with the other people being fully confident. And then Sarah, you know, the last vote gets read for Sarah. Frickin' Tony starts like <laughs> like <laughs> applauding. <laughs> and then there's the beautiful Spencer Cass. 0% chance of winning the game. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Just such a wild tribal council in which it really was. It goes every which way. Yeah. That did it's that I think that's my favorite scene. There's just so many individual incredible moments. Well, and it just it's so like up down. Like you you don't actually know what's like because you know, you you know that like Tony and whatever his name is make the wrong decision. Yeah. But you don't know what Cass is gonna do or anything. Yeah. It's a that's a good tribal council. Yeah. yeah. That so that that's my favorite scene. Just like, yeah, the level of chaos, the up and down nature, the ridiculousness of like the applause <laughs> and everything else, you know, wild times. All right. So. Wait, did I maybe was that the Morgan vote? No, that's the Sarah vote. Yeah. 
Morgan. <laughs> Morgan. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. I didn't want to, you know, spout misinformation here on the podcast. Yeah, that was this it. reminds me, can I have a part B to my favorite scene? Please. When uh, Tony jumps off the perch and yells, good luck, woo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that same episode, believe it or not. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like maybe the best episode of Survivor ever. Is that the, that's not the one where... That's a different one where uh, than where Tony is like talking to Jeff as Jeff is commenting. Uh, there's a little bit of that, yeah. I just it's, like it's very cold up here. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not fun. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you say we get to this episode of Survivor, the sixth episode of Survivor Millennials vs Gen X, and hit the major plot points as we make our way down to Tree Mail? As Let's do it. As we alluded to, this episode starts with Jay talking about how he's playing for his mom and his sister that he wants to win for them. And then he finds an idol on the new green tribe with Will in tow. But then uh, out of nowhere, Michaela rolls on, rolls up and catches them in the act. Michaela, you know, is aligned with Jay, but she says that if necessary, she'll snitch. At the reward challenge, we've got blindfolded puzzles uh, and one of Emily's favorite types of challenges where they're blindfolded and have to walk around. Seriously, they started this and I was like, this is exactly what I was talking about. This yeah. is my worst nightmare. Yeah. But the twist is that then the caller has to instruct the blindfolded folks to solve a puzzle, which is a cool element. Purple has a huge lead, but they blow it on the puzzle and the orange and green tribes get a uh, reward in the form of some sweets. Uh, another interesting thing that happens there that we'll talk about is Hannah suffers an actual panic attack while sitting out of the challenge. She talks about how she has been repressing her anxiety and emotion, and it all comes to a head during this challenge. And she gets to talk a little bit about, um, yeah, like her experience with anxiety, which becomes an interesting storyline and a good conversation to have um, as it relates to the show. Uh, Zeke feels left out after at this reward challenge. Figgy is elated to see that Michelle has survived the previous immunity, but doesn't really pay much mind to Zeke um, having also survived. And then at the Purple Tribe, Figgy finally tells the Gen Xers about her and Taylor's showmance. And they're like, uh, yeah, we know. <laughs> at the immunity challenge we've got some balance beams and then a cooperative table maze green finishes first and then orange finishes second sending the purple tribe to tribal council at that beach figtails or figler rather targets ken but ken pledges loyalty to adam if he votes with the gen xers on that side adam definitely finds himself smack dab in the middle at Tribal Council, Jeff straight up asks Taylor if he's in love and offers to marry Figtails. Unfortunately, <laughs> that young love is broken up as Adam sides with the Gen Xers and votes for Figgy, sending her home and making her the next player eliminated from Survivor Millennials versus Gen X. Scott. You lost Figgy this round. I did. 
Uh, how do you feel about that? What do you think about Figgy's game that she played, and what was her fatal flaw leading to her downfall? I think that, like, well, I think we could all probably agree that her fatal flaw was, like, getting into the showmance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not far off on that, am I? No. I think that's okay. definitely a large factor. Yeah. Like, I feel like she didn't, like, by herself, actually, like, wasn't that bad of a player. Like, I feel like she knew what was going on and, no. like, had decent social skills and could, like, probably have made it farther. But yeah, she really kind of like drug her down, I think. Really like handcuffed herself in that way. Yeah. And so I'm like, I wish I could say I was like surprised, but I'm really not. So that's that. Scott, your Motor Morons tribe is now the first tribe to be down to four members while the other two still are rolling with a five person squad. Yeah, I think that I think that Figgy maybe um just played herself into a corner here. I I wonder what her game would have looked like absent of Taylor. Um I think that yeah, she's smart and that um she has like the killer instinct, but I don't know. I think that obviously like and we'll talk about this, but I think she grossly misplayed this round. Um and maybe could have survived despite the showmance, but um, I, yeah, I, I think that actually she is somebody that I would be interested to see play again because, especially compared to the other half of Figtails, I think she's got a lot more potential um, to actually do something. So, folks, what was your favorite part of this episode? This was a pretty good one. Um, I think that the swing here at the end, where you're in suspense about what Adam is going to do is compelling. I think that these challenges are good. Um, of course, that very beginning opening scene is fantastic. Um, which, uh, which part of this episode um, was your favorite? Adam, did you have a, a favorite moment? Um, I really love both the challenges in this. I yeah. think the blindfolded challenges are always rough looking, but I, I think making them do the blindfolded challenge with the puzzle was a really interesting factor and really tested communication in a way that uh, just directing someone around a, you know, a field or beach didn't really bring, I, I, at least I haven't really seen before. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really like that challenge. I'm trying to remember what the other challenge was. Um, That was the one with the balance beams and then the big bags and then they've got to do the, Right, right, right. and the, yeah, the coconuts and the balls and everything. Yeah. That was like such an intense challenge. It was. Like that was one of those challenges that had me just like on the edge of my seat pretty much from the get go. Um, David really crushed it too. like yeah. seeing David. I mean, from like last episode to this episode, like David is a completely different competitor. Um, like it was. Because I mean, like we, we see David like swimming, he gets the ball, he com- comically drops the ball, but he manages to. uh I'm not Emily's making motions at me and I don't know what she's talking about, but we see David, like he, he keeps up with everybody on the balance beams. He gets up, he unties the coconuts. He carries the coconuts up to the beach relatively quickly. He's slower than everybody, but 
I mean, he pushes like in a way that we haven't seen David push. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of the first challenge, the blindfolded one. Oh no, he was bad there. He was so bad. Yeah, he was bad in that one. Michelle was Pretty screaming bad. at him like, "Go to your right," and he just kept going straight. Yeah. And then he started trying to work on somebody else's puzzle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was funny. But yeah, he he definitely pulled it together for that second challenge. You're right. Yeah. So I, I think like the challenges were really good in this episode. I think those were a couple. High, those were definitely my my favorite moments. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can like take or leave the blindfolded puzzle gathering at the most part, but the solving was really interesting. I thought, yeah, I agreed that that was a interesting element. Uh, Emily, what was your favorite part? Hmm. Oh, gosh, I actually did like these challenges. I didn't. I mean, I hated the blindfolded one, I guess. <laughs> the the um, I guess I'm just a fan of Michaela's what what I'm trying to say, yeah. because when she was doing the table mazes, <laughs> that's what it is. I'll get yeah. there. Um, when she was doing the table mazes, she was incredible. And yeah, she was she kind was. of yelling at Hannah a little bit. And Hannah was getting a little dicey. But I think. I think Hannah understood like what was happening. And, you know, they ended up winning the challenge. And then I also loved she started coaching the other team. Yeah. Um, which team was it? Was it, it was orange? Uh, the orange team. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she tried the orange team. Winning. yeah. And I loved at the end because she, she was like, I think um, Jeff was asking her, you know, why were you doing that? And mm-hmm. she said, you know, I'm just trying to keep the millennials together. And then Taylor. Uh, yeah. Taylor was like, Oh, there are millennials over here too. And she just said, yeah, but there are three of you and two of Gen X. And if you can't figure out how to vote together and keep yourselves in the game, you don't deserve to be here. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't do it. Uh-huh. So that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, uh, and maybe we'll talk about it more coming up, but yeah, the, the interaction between Michaela and Hannah is really interesting. Um, and there's like certainly the potential to dive into that. Um, yeah, Scott, what was your favorite part of the episode? Um, I think mine is going to be kind of like Ken's gameplay, just like kind of managing Adam and like kind of finessing him to get him to like join that side of the tribe and like kind of taking the Gen X disadvantage and kind of making it an advantage in the tribe setting. Yeah, that's a great point. I like this will probably be one, maybe the problem, the primary conversation here, but even though you know, there's like the, the showman's and Adam feels like ostracized to an extent. What a colossal misplay in the way that Figgy and Taylor approached Adam as like expecting to have him not feeling like they need to convince him, you know, continuing to, at least from the story we're getting kind of like treat him like a goober, you know, and be like, Oh, Adam, whatever. He's with us. And Ken instead is like, hey, I think you're a a respectable person. I want to play with you. And like, of course, Adam's going to want to play with those people. Right. Yep. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And it was. Yeah, I think that it there's certainly a world where if Taylor and Figgy show that they like value Adam's vote more that he votes with them. But they did not. Well, they just genuinely didn't see that, like. from Adam's perspective in Adam's, they they couldn't see Adam's position because like Figgy Taylor, Jay, Michelle, those are the four. They're tight. Like that's, that's what it looks like from the outside. Like Mm -hmm. there's more people in that Alliance, but 
those four are tight, which means that Adam joining up with Biggie and Taylor puts him at fifth at best. And they didn't come to him and be like, hey, like, I know that you're thinking like you're fifth if you join with us, but like, you know, we're strong. We can forget about Jay and Michelle or, you know, anything to be like, hey, you're you're higher with us than you realize. Like they they thought they were thinking about it so short term. And Adam was looking at this extremely long term. Mm-hmm. Plus, like, not to mention, like, he's written down one of their names already. Mm-hmm. Taylor. Yeah he's, already, yeah, he's already voted for one of them already this season. So, like, it's really kind of naive to just, like, assume just because he's, like, was on your tribe that it, like, stays the same. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know. Just a complete inability to adapt. Yeah, totally. And it's not like he's, I mean, within the tribe itself, it's not like he's in a worse position. He's either, it's either Figgy Taylor and then Adam, or it's Ken Jessica and then Adam. Sure. Long term, who do you want to stick with, though? Like the person that you know that you're five, or the person that, like, you know what? Let's risk it for the biscuit, or at the very least, we're going to like screw over what I know will be a majority alliance later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it, like, it was such like short term game plan, Figgy and Taylor's part. They deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. really, yeah, even from like a personal perspective, you know, like they, it, at least what we saw was that they like treated Adam kind of like a dweeby little brother, mm-hmm. you know, and like, yeah, that he's not going to want to play with them <laughs> as a result. Well, they, it's not even the thing that really rubbed me the wrong way was when they were in tribal. And it wasn't even like, yeah, he'll vote with us. It was kind of like threatening. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which I really hated. Yeah. Like he better vote with us. Clearly are too comfortable. Like I keep well, saying, you're too comfortable in this game and it's going to it's going to hurt you. I mean, he legitimately I, they they couldn't see his position. Like because no. Adam and Zeke are the two millennials that voted against Figgy that are mm-hmm. still in the game. And they're like, like Figgy and Taylor's genuine thought was, oh, well, he's a millennial, so he's on our side. Well, to be fair, though, there was a scene in which they were like, you know, do you think he'll flip on us? And they're like, I don't know. I don't really trust anyone in this game. But I feel like their reaction was, you better vote with us right? or else yeah. you're going to be screwed. And yeah. I don't think that was a good play, yeah. obviously. Yeah. That, just, yeah. that like Taylor clip that I pulled, which is funny, was he says like, will Adam like flip on us is he you know actually smarter than we think he is unlikely but maybe right you know he's like uh adam's an idiot he'll never do that right that's that's the the most annoying thing i i am so glad that one half of figler is gone yeah and that it's the half that we actually think is conniving and smart. So like, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what Taylor does, because at this point, I don't feel like he's really done anything strategic. Yeah. No, yeah, he's just kind of hung out. Yeah. Yeah. And told Figgy that she's hot. Yep. <laughs> God, they're annoying. <laughs> yeah, they truly are. All right, so let's go through some of these points that require a little bit of more breakdown. Um, I think that it's interesting to talk about, as teased at the beginning, the idea of does the truth work well in this game? This is something that Michelle says, so five points to Michelle for naming the episode. 
Um, in you know, before one of the challenges, she says the truth works well in this game, which is a really you know pithy, nice thing to say. But is it true, um, Scott? What do you think? Do you think there's any merit to the idea of the truth working well in Survivor? Um. I think the truth does work well when it's the right time to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you're actually in an alliance with somebody and what you're telling them is true or trying to win somebody over and you have information that could help the two of you and like you need to, they need to know. Like we saw with like Ken and Jessica, you know, mm-hmm. Like that's a good time when the truth is definitely beneficial, but there's also times where like telling the truth could really screw you over. I feel like mm-hmm. it's better to just say, yeah, which we've seen on a couple of different occasions where people have said, I don't know about it. And then yeah. they just get voted out. Yeah. Where they said, yeah, definitely. And they would have been fine. So I think like the truth does work well, but unfortunately like, I'm of kind of of the opinion that like you 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 go into Survivor knowing that you're probably going to have to lie at least once. Totally. If you truly want to win the game. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the truth at in the right circumstance works well cuz you're right like that Ken example is a great example like by him telling Jessica the truth in that moment and then it being immediately proven correct like he has just proven his trustability to her. Yeah. Adam yeah. Emily, thoughts? Does the truth work well in Survivor? I, I I think the problem with the truth is it it all comes down to whether people believe you or not. Mm. Um I Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think like generally speaking, the truth does work. Like I yeah, but can I just interject here? Yeah. Okay. Because I have some thoughts. <laughs> um, in this moment, Figgy's clearly excited to see Michelle not hiding anything. And so Jeff calls her out and he, Michelle, and is like, what do you think of that? And she's like, oh, you know, truth is cool. And then later in her tribe, she's like, yeah, Figgy really messed up there. So <laughs> Michelle wasn't even telling the truth when she was like, the truth is the best. So she doesn't believe that. That's a good like, point. I think that's a really yeah, poignant example of like, of course it doesn't work. However, I do think Ken has a really interesting gameplay that he's very truthful um, to the people that he's with and that's working very well for him. Mm-hmm. That's not to say he doesn't like participate in blind, blind sides and stuff, but the people that he's aligning himself with, he is there for them. You know? I guess, yeah, that is what it comes down to is what do we mean by being, by playing the game truthfully? Like, does it mean you wear your emotion on your sleeve 100% of the time? I don't think that's good. Nope. Yeah. Like, I I think being able to say, and I also, like, I I think we generally all agree that if someone comes to you and says, like, this is what I want to do, like, the answer should almost always be, yeah. Like, let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. It, you know, never, like, I'm sorry, I'm aligned with so-and-so, I can't help you. Like, it's, you know, so, so even if, like, I don't know. I, I I think the truth is this is this is the problem of Survivor. It's like the currency in the game is knowledge and trust. And if you have a lot of trust but not enough knowledge, you're gonna get screwed. If you have a lot of knowledge but no trust, then no one's really gonna want to work with you. 
necessarily. It's it's finding this balance of like I know what's happening mm-hmm. and I trust these people to not screw me over. Yeah, no, I can't know everything. Yeah, it's like being perceived as telling the truth is really as important, more important than like actually telling the truth. Or like withholding your lie until right as they're being voted out <laughs> so that there's not a uh, consequence, you know. Um, sorry, I'm like partially distracted here because I've got like the Survivor wiki up. And there's like these stupid autoplay videos that always pop up on this website. And it's like a mini doc right now about like the real life town that the Twilight series is based in. And there's just like lots of wild images, like middle aged women, like with, you know, Edward stuff all over their houses and stuff. I honestly should just close this tab because I can't stop watching it. Gertrude, are you team Edward or team Jacob? Uh, Jacob's the werewolf, right? I don't know. I've not really. I think so. I don't really have seen any of them. I mean, why am I? I know that that's the answer. Yeah, it's. Te- I'm. I'm Team Jacob. He's a lot hotter. If I'm going to be honest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a good assessment of that. I. I. Lawner <laughs> is much hotter. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um. So, and the uh, the reward challenge. We've talked about this a little bit, but. Um, there's some stuff to unpack here. Um, there's some funniness going on in the puzzle management, like uh, the puzzle grabbing part, namely um, David's hapless wandering, Ken actively covering his groin as he <laughs> is walking anywhere, uh, deeply aware of the propensity of uh, his production to put groin level things. <laughs> in these challenges. Um, And then of course there's the kind of like subplot of Hannah um, mid panic attack on the sit out bench, which then we get some light, um, I guess given to at the end of that scene. Um, Yeah. I think that this is like an interesting um, scene here. And also at the point of this airing, like I think that even in, you know, the, five-ish years that have passed in between now and when this aired like i think that um like there's been a lot more acceptance of like mental health issues being real things um and that that in this time there was still a little bit a bit of skepticism around and so i think that yeah there's like a level of shame that hannah feels and she talks about this um from experiencing this um and also like yeah that survivors choice to include this and to paint it positively um is yeah like a a good obviously choice um where maybe like earlier in the history like this would be something that she's made fun of for even by like the show right so anyway as as you watched this scene um I wondered what y- y'all's thoughts were on this as this subject, which can often be mishandled, um, is approached by Survivor. Um, any of you guys have any reactions to um, Hannah experiencing this and the way that it was presented and the way that Hannah um, like expressed her experience? I mean, I... I thought it was to answer your question seriously. I thought it was really cool that they like took this moment to like 
you know, talk about like, like Hannah explained, like, I didn't want to say it because I was worried that people would think I was weak. Yeah. And, you know, she was just talking to the camera about like, I knew this was a problem, but like, you know, I wanted to come out here and do my best. Yeah. Um, Dr. Joe said one of the most terrifying things I've ever heard in my life where he <laughs> was like, uh, yeah, when your body starts to act like it's been running, but it's not running, your blood acidifies. I did what not the catch hell? that. <laughs> your blood acidifies? Scott, do you have anything to say? Because I'm really. Yeah, so she was hyperventilating. Right. Um, which this is a little bit out of my scope. Um, so, what, like, if you hold your breath and again it starts to like burn, like the pH of your blood is dropping. So what that means is basically like on the pH scale, the lower means that like it's more acidic. Right. Um, no, <laughs> and as part of that, like your body tends to want to blow that off, and by doing that, you're blowing out CO2, which was an attempt to kind of raise your blood pH. So like when you have people like. Um, breathing into a bag or something to that effect. Um, that's kind of what you're going for. Mm. I think that's more what he was talking about, like her right. pH, like hyperventilating to that that effect. Okay, and I may have butchered that because again, I'm not like. I mean, you fooled me. If so, you're so yeah, smart, I Scott. Say anything, I'd be like, yes. Yeah, if we have any medical, truly like medical doctors listening, that might be. But that's kind of my best explanation. Right. That is. That was like the single most terrifying thing I've ever heard someone say in a really <laughs> calm voice. Like, yeah, so when your body starts doing this or whatever, your blood acidifies. And I'm like, whoa, hold up. Yeah. What do you mean it acidifies? Dog? <laughs> like this yeah. It's the same effect like when you're like when you run really fast and you get really tired and you gotta like you deep breathe. Like oh, your okay. yeah. Like your blood becomes more acidic. That, the pH that, drops. Does that have to do with like cramping too, or is that like something? Um, potentially, if you're not like if your electrolytes aren't on balance, okay, um, that could be a thing. But yeah, yeah. So like, Survivor handled that well, but also like, <laughs> Doctor Joe said like the scariest thing I've ever heard in my life. I didn't even catch that phrase. That's it was wild. terrifying. Like, yeah. it's scary. <laughs> what about the rest of y'all? Did you um, have any responses to this scene? I just thought that the show was overall very supportive of her. Like even Jeff from the get go was like, you know, go to the shade. You know, if you need medic, let me know. Don't even hesitate. Yeah. Um, which I thought was really cool. To like to see that side of Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even this, like, I think at one point, like she was talking, like Jeff was asking her questions, like, and she was kind of opening up about it. And she said something like about, like, I didn't want this to be a problem. And this is something. And he said, but the like the true courage is coming out here anyway. Yeah, mm. I think if I may have butchered that quote, but I think he said something along those lines. I just thought that was really uplifting and really cool. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think that. Um, yeah, you all have said it well, but yeah, this was like I I can imagine a version of Survivor, especially like early on, right? Like imagine if in the Amazon, you know, like. I don't know, pick a random person, uh, Heidi or whatever, like has a panic attack from sitting out, right? Like there's certainly a reality and a very likely one 
where the confessionals and set are like, how the hell? She's not even playing. How can you, you blah, 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 blah. And like it's included in the show. Right. So um, a testament to the progress in our society <laughs> and the show, which still certainly has much work to be done. Um, but yeah, I thought that especially like giving a, a voice to Hannah to be the one to explain this was um, good. Um, so let's talk about the revelation or lack thereof that Figgy um, is in a showmance with Taylor when she reveals this to Jessica and Ken and they're like, uh-huh. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, the, so Figgler comes to an end in this episode, but is this, was this storyline like entertaining to you? The whole Figtales experience. Uh, do you, did you find this compelling and entertaining? Um, Emily, what did you think about this whole experience? Of, uh, Figgler. Of, of Fig Nation. Yeah, Fig Nation. I just thought it was. Did you very... think it was a crime against children everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> um, not necessarily, but I didn't love it. <laughs> I just don't get it. I thought it was. I think the thing that really bothered me about it more than anything, it's not that it was that they were kind of in this like little relationship. I mean, whatever. I'm not here to watch that. This is Survivor. But this is Survivor. <laughs> it's a but very it's fine if that happens. I don't really care. I think the thing that, and I've already said this, but the thing that really bothered me about them was just like their lack of interest in the game yeah. and how confident they were and how um just rude they were to everybody else. I really didn't like that. I didn't like watching that. And they were like, well, we're good because we're two people. Yeah. I just hated that. Yeah, totally. That's not helpful to anybody. And I didn't like how they just thought they ruled it all. <laughs> Classic yeah. millennials, am I right? Yeah. Totally. Really like them re- like revealing that to them so openly like it's just like a microcosm of their whole experience. <laughs> like yeah. this is being very overconfident and like they're standing in the game and like having no like foresight. I- and- yeah, Ken's Ken's response to <laughs> <It's amazing. learning laughs> was amazing. I thought for a hot second that he didn't know. Yeah, he like he legitimately had me fooled because yeah. Ken Ken responds in this like, you and Taylor, like, what? Like like he's genuinely shocked by this new bit of information. Yeah, <laughs> and then and he's, Biggie's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> and, and you can see Jessica's like looking at him like, what is happening? And then he's like. Oh man, I had no idea. It's not like you guys are cuddling or holding hands or like yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> starts listing things that they're doing. <laughs> yeah, Ken is a master. <laughs> Similarly, did you catch this at Tribal when like um the stupid, you know, conversation between Jeff and, and Figler Fig Nation is happening? And like uh I don't know, like Taylor says something. And then Jeff like throws it over to Ken to like tell Taylor what he should have said. Did yeah. you remember this? He's like, what what she wanted you to do was to validate her feelings, therefore making her feel secure and comfortable. 
<laughs> he said something about like this two week relationship. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was say, he threw that in there too, which was wonderful. I love it. What a Ken, savage. Ken is a true lord. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I just like wondered, you know, like obviously this storyline takes up a pretty hefty chunk of the early part of the season. And like, just wondered, is this entertaining to y'all? No. <laughs> it's it's frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Like, like I genuinely found their relationship frustrating mm-hmm. more so than anything. Like I, at no point was I like, Oh, they're so cute. Like it was legitimately like these two people aren't playing the game or if they are, they're not playing it well. And this is frustrating mm-hmm. to me. Do you guys know why this is so appalling to us? Because we're millennials. Because yeah. we are woke Survivor fans officially. Yeah. I was gonna say it's because it's because of these two that Mari left and we're <laughs> Yeah, well, well that too. And I'm still that. upset about that. Don't remind me about that. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Mari on because she joined uh, a, a part of Polygon's thing. And so I watched her in a uh, in a video that they were doing. And she's a wonderful person. I really <laughs> wish she could play more Survivor. <laughs> Yeah, I do too. Uh, at the immunity challenge, um, maybe the most interesting story part of this is the kind of like, um, I don't know, I don't know the right word to describe it. The unique or uncommon, I guess, like social choices for Michaela in this challenge, where yeah, the interaction between her and Hannah on the table maze, and then her like actively coaching one tribe over the other once they had finished. Um, I don't think that like we're surprised to see this from Michaela at this point, who very openly like does what she wants to do and doesn't really like, yeah, she's a straight shooter and doesn't really care if it rubs people the wrong way, it seems. But um, I wondered what your takes on these choices were, how you reacted to these um these scenes and these stories and if you think that these will prove to be um yeah like things that get swept under the rug and aren't you know important or if they may prove um to have a negative consequence for Michaela as the game goes on so that was a lot of questions but ultimately like what what was your take on uh, Michaela's um actions in this challenge um, Scott, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I I guess I kind of excuse her like gameplay interaction. Like I just chalked it up to being very competitive and yeah. like trying to win. Um, you could probably say that she probably could have been a little bit less intense. But I think that like even in the end, like Hannah like understood where she was coming from. And mm-hmm. we've not really been given a reason to think that. Like she doesn't like Hannah outside of the competition yet. Yeah. Um, I do question like openly rooting for like the millennials on the other tribe though. Mm-hmm. Um, just like why put yourself in that position to like be seen more than you need to, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, well, I don't know if anything will ever come, even come of it. Um, but it does kind of like, like why like why open yourself up to criticism when you don't have to totally kind of my question i 
I think that this is a really easy. Um, <clears throat> th- this is last episode we talked about how early I I talked about it, I mentioned it that I'm not sure that the green team, if they keep winning, will really benefit from all of this beyond just being in the game, because they're not having to reevaluate any of their alliances or think about who they're going into the merge with and how those people have changed. Um, and so what we see here is kind of Michaela thinking like, well, yeah, like the millennials, like we're solid, like we're going to yeah. make it to the merge. We're all going to be teamed up together. And we're going to go. And so she's like, she makes a very like rational decision. Like I'm going to vote for, or I'm going to root for the team that only has two millennials on it. Right. Because the other team has three millennials on it, so they can easily vote out a Gen Xer. Like that's a completely rational decision. Yeah. The problem is she doesn't realize that Adam doesn't like Figgy or Taylor, or maybe she recognizes that. Maybe she just doesn't like Figgy and Taylor in the game. And so she's <laughs> like, Adam will swap, it will flip, Adam will get him out. Yeah. I like I don't know. I don't know that there will be repercussions for this, but I think that this could either be like, you know, galaxy brain level strategy of like man forget figgy and taylor we need to get rid of them and if we send them the tribal they probably will or it's her not having that new uh the new relationship aspect of the game Mm -hmm. that everyone else is kind of experiencing so because with her it's just business as usual it's like jay and will She's yeah. solid with and you know Hannah will come along because she's a millennial and like she voted with them before so like that's and because they never have to go to tribal that's just kind of the end of the thought yeah yeah I think that like ultimately the reason why you maybe don't do these things is because a large part of staying alive in Survivor is just like not being front of mind for people or like not giving people a reason and like these are potential reasons you know very like small ones but potential reasons right But like Michaela, from what we've seen from her, is like never going to be under anyone's radar because of how like freaking out of control badass she is at these challenges, how she's like single handedly keeping her tribe alive, et cetera, et cetera. And so like, I don't know, I like. It's not in her character, you know, to like not at least from what we see to like not go balls to the wall full out the whole time. And that's why she's so fun to watch and like why we root for her. Yeah. Uh, And so the biggest, you know, conversation here in this episode and especially towards the end of it is Adam in the middle swing vote position, choosing to vote either against Figtails and betraying the millennials or keeping the status quo and voting against Ken. Um, And ultimately he does vote for Figgy, of course. do we think that this was indeed the right move? Um, we've kind of talked through this a little bit already, but it, does anybody have a counter argument? Does anybody think that Adam should not have voted Figgy out and instead stuck with uh, Figtails, Figler, Fig Nation, and kept the Millennials together? I was going to be mad if he did that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's the right move. I don't, I, I just think it's the right move. I, I don't think that Adam in particular has any benefit following Figgy and Taylor, especially the way they were treating him into the merge. So then like the downside to this, of course, is that not only is Taylor coming back pissed, but you it's like likely now that you get to the next, you know, reward challenge or whatever. Everyone sees you and like a large portion of the remaining millennials are also pissed. Like I think Jay and Michelle certainly will be, um, if not more. So how do you... Sorry, Alex. I have a lot to say about this. No, go ahead. We actually talked about this. We ran the numbers. It was was really interesting to me (laughs) because I thought, you know, yeah, so for Michelle, for example, she's really close with Figgy, but she's not Taylor to Figgy. She will not be Taylor. She will always be second to Figgy. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, Figgy is gone, but Michelle was never going to be Figgy's number one. And I think that's the same with Jay and everybody else in that alliance. I feel like that was something that Ultimately, I don't really expect them to be upset about because, yeah, they would have numbers with Figgy, but when it came down to it, they wouldn't be Figgy or Taylor's choice. I think you're also this is the other half of like what it comes down uh, of of the way that this is spread out right now, where if. If the Orange Tribe goes to tribal now. Odds are. David's gone. No one else really sees that outside of the Orange Tribe, but well, yeah. I mean, unless unless David plays an idol, but like if we're just ignoring idols for right now, Orange Tribe goes to Tribal. David's gone probably because Chris doesn't like David, just the way it is. So we have two millennials still in the game. The Purple Tribe goes to Tribal. They get rid of Taylor, and you've gotten rid of your power couple. There's still plenty of millennials in the game. You've eliminated the power couple. Jay and Michelle might be upset about it. Michaela didn't like them from the beginning. So like she just needs to reevaluate her strategy. Green tribe goes to tribal. There's one, two, three, four millennials on that tribe. Mm -hmm. They're not losing a millennial. The millennials like numbers game that they want to play is intact. It's fine. All they've done is eliminate the power couple. In the game. And made it so that way you can have a millennial pact and you might actually be at the top and not, you know, fourth or fifth to Figgy, Taylor, Jay and Michelle. I don't I don't think there's any strategy to like, yeah, we should align ourselves as millennials right now. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I think like we're also underestimating like other millennials potentially making the same kind of move that like Adam did, like. Mm -hmm choosing to kind of cross that line and go with the Gen X. Like, I think I kind of mentioned it maybe in the last episode. I feel like last episode was kind of where like the Gen X millennial shtick kind of like got thrown out to mm-hmm. some extent. And like, if you're still stuck in that mode, like you're not going to make it far. Like you need to be able to work with the other people in the game. Right. And I mean, Zeke doesn't like Michelle either. So like the orange tribe could easily like this could be Zeke's go ahead to you know talk to Chris and be like, hey, I know you don't like David, but like Michelle is dangerous. We need to get rid of her. You know, so it's like there are there's so many like this is opening the door to other people to actually be strategic and ignore the fact that we're millennials versus Gen X and just I'm here to win a million dollars. And that's it. 
I think like the question then is that if we agree that this is the right move is how does Adam like damage control um, knowing that at least some of the millennials will be upset by him doing this or will take it as like a, a betrayal of the millennials as a whole. I think it's hard to damage control with Taylor. He lost his most trusted ally. Yeah. I don't see how you do that. You come back to the merge, though. Michaela will understand. Zeke will definitely understand. Will, I, we don't know anything about Will. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Hannah will probably understand. I mean, she was also in that like tr- group of people who wanted to vote Figgy out in the first move. So you have effectively, you're trying to re regain your kind of original Alliance that was mm-hmm. going to take out Figgy from the get go, which puts Jay Taylor, Michelle and will four people playing catch up against, uh, Adam, Hannah, Michaela. And no, that was it. Right. Am I forgetting someone? That's it. So, yeah. So you have these four millennials who are have been like ride or die millennials. And then you have these three other people who didn't like. I mean, the millennial, you know, the millennials in charge and have made relationships with other Gen Xers. Mm -hmm. They've expanded their alliance. I don't think you need to do that much damage control. Like Taylor's going to be pissed. There's nothing you can do about it. But also his influence isn't that wide. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to see the way that that all shakes out and how much, you know, backlash he faces from that choice. Basically, I think Adam's going to win the game and it's because of this move right here. I think that's just what it comes down to is Are you serious? <laughs> this pre-merge. <laughs> that's, my, that's my prediction. Adam wins the game because of this move right here. OK, it'll be interesting to track. That and how specifically um, this vote out and the elimination of power couple figtails plays into the end game. But, you know, worth keeping an eye on. (laughs) All right. What do you say we get to our fantasy survivor and our participation trophies? Let's do it. Yeah. So. If you need a refresher, participation trophies are our weekly MVP points we give to the highest performing member of this episode. Um, Adam, you are in first place going into this episode. So you get the first uh, pick at a participation trophy recipient. Who's going to get yours? Who? Um, I, I know I just said that I think Adam's going to win the game because of a move he made this episode, but I got to throw it to Michaela. Another for Michaela. Like, holy crap, she's crushing it. All right. Michaela's up to six whole participation trophies. Um, Emily, who gets your participation trophy? Yeah, I was actually thinking Adam. I'm just glad he made the right move. Mm -hmm. I feel like he could do a lot with this new opening in his life of Survivor. To win the game. (laughs) The Survivor life. (laughs) Scott, what about you? Um, I kind of talked earlier, but I'm going to give it to Ken. Yes. Mm. For managing to flip Adam to 
his side and kind of, like I said, like go, going into the episode, he was in the minority of the tribe and now he's in the majority. So mm-hmm. go can go. He managed Adam really well. Yeah, he did. Like he really did. So like Ken absolutely crushed that social game this week. Yeah, I'm going to second that and give mine to Ken too. Even though Adam casted the deciding vote, it was ultimately Ken who was saved by Adam casting that vote. And like you said, in no small part due to Ken's own um, persuading him to make that choice. So I think Ken gets a lot of credit for not only surviving, but flipping Adam himself and being the reason that he survives. So on to Fantasy Survivor scoring. This episode, um, as the scores come in, Hannah is not the person. Figgy was the person who was voted out. And that means that Scott has lost another member of his tribe. He's down to four now going forward. Um, This episode was named by Michelle, which is a nice five points for Adam's tribe. no, I actually uh, Jay netted Emily a cold fifteen points for finding that idol at the beginning of the episode, um, and then everybody on the purple and green tribes won. Sorry, the orange and green tribes won both immunity and rewards. So there's fifteen points by default there. Um, players who voted correctly. Gained five players who didn't vote correctly, but didn't get voted out. Gained only those five. Um, The ones who voted correctly get five on top of the survival five. So with all that said, um, coming into third place still after this episode is Scott's Motor Morons Tribe. Um, (laughs) Fifteen each from Hannah and Zeke. 10 from Ken and Jessica. In second place, a huge week for the Avocado Notos tribe. Still in second place, but the gap is shrinking after 15 points from everyone except for Jay, who pulled a whopping 30 points. 270 points for Avocado Notos. And then still in the lead, though by a slimmer margin with 295, is Adam's Apple Squares. 10 for Adam, 20 for Michelle after she named the episode. Chris and David each got 15 and only five points to Taylor since he did not vote correctly. Idiot. Should have known. So believe it or not, we're about halfway in to this season. Um, Not quite halfway into the fantasy tracking of it since those first couple episodes didn't count. But halfway into the season now, um, things have gotten a little bit closer on the scoring um, side of things. Adam, what do you think about your tribe um, going forward? You've made a bold prediction about one of your tribe members. Um, but do you <laughs> feel good uh, heading into this next phase of the game? I. Yeah, I think I do. I think Adam and Chris are really strong players. David has been shocking the whole time. So David is he he has a total of 65 points for this season so far since we've started tracking, which is uh, equal to Jay's 65 points, which is the highest score. Those are the two highest scoring players this season so far. Yep. So like David, like as a fantasy player, has netted me really 
good points. I don't know that he's going to win. Um, Michelle, I keep calling her conniving. I feel really good about having her on my tribe because of that. I feel like she could push further into the game as long as people don't really perceive her as that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I mean, I'm sitting with with David, who has 65 points on the season. Adam, who has 60 points on the se- season, which puts him in third for total points. Mm-hmm. And Michelle, who has 55 points on the season, which yeah. puts her tied for fourth or something like that. Yeah. Like, I feel okay, All actually. Right. Uh, Emily, you closed quite the gap this episode. Um, still a few points down, but you're within striking distance. What do you think about um, your tribe? as you approach this next phase? Uh, I am proud of my tribe. I am cautious about the gains we are making. Mm -hmm. I am still maybe concerned that everybody's on the same team. (laughs) We'll see how that bands out for me. Well, if they keep winning, you're safe. Yeah, that's true. I also wonder when... I just feel like we've got to have a merge soon because... Some of these tribes are getting real wimpy. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. You also you have some I have some good players. You have some high like, scoring players. Yeah. Sunday seems solid. Jay is doing very well. Will seems solid. Michaela's doing very well. And Brett seems solid. And Hannah also seems solid. So there's no one that I'm like worried hey, about. Hannah's you know? not on your tribe, but you're right. Hannah, but she's green. Hannah is solid, <laughs> but she's green. <laughs> um, fun fact: she Sunday, matters to me right now. Sunday is doing better than Taylor is in terms of points. That's because she didn't get wrapped up in a showmance. Uh, what was this? The trade that you made, Chris for Will? Is that right? Chris for Will. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. Chris is at forty-five, and Will is at fifty. 50. So. Five yeah, yeah. point advantage to Emily in that trade so far. On a on a straight numbers game, you're right. I think that I lost. I, I'm technically the loser of that trade as of right now. As of right now, because Chris seems to be making moves and Will seems to be fading into the background. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. We know nothing about Will. The that's fact true. that he has 60 points is mind blowing to me. Like one time we heard that he was in high school, and we haven't heard anything since. Yeah. And like as this game progresses, like everything is close now and like the individual point totals are close. But once you start looking back at the players that were eliminated a few episodes ago, they really start to like um, separate. Right. And that's how this is going to work as we've only watched four episodes since the um, the draft. So as you have people that get deeper and deeper into the game, they're going to accumulate more and more points and they're going to be more valuable, of course. Um, Scott, you are in last place at this point, but still a lot of game left. Um, what does your tribe need for um, a comeback? Um, well, it depends. How far back am I? You are um, 55 points out of second place and um, 70 points out of first place. Is that wrong? Ooh, Is it 45 and 70? I'm bad at math. Um, it's, it's 50. It's yeah, it's 55 for 70. Oh boy. And and you're you're 80 points out of first place. Yeah. So we're gonna need some 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 idols. We're gonna need some some victory. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I'm not like like my tribe is like small, but I like all the people on it. Yeah. 
and like I enjoy like having them on my team and like I enjoy rooting for them. Um, and I think that like for the most part, we've like the people in my tribe have a path forward at this point. Like they're not like completely hopeless. Yeah. So like as long as they just stay in the game, you know, something's got to give. <laughs> Indeed. And there's oh. a big boost coming soon for everybody who makes the merge. Um, an extra 15 points per player who sees the merge. So if you've yeah. got players that survive, maybe just another round or two, you're going to get a big boost for that. So we need we need green to go to tribal. No. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, that will be a huge boost. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So overall, I'm not feeling great, but I'm just here for... I'm just here to have a good time. <laughs> you got solid players on your tribe. Yeah, you have, like, you have a good mix of people. You, like, like Paul was obviously never going to be a good one. Figgy was always a wild card, but I mean, Ken has proven himself. Hannah is a really interesting player. Zeke is awesome. Yeah. Jess has been crushing it too. Like, um, you've trimmed like the fat. What? You've trimmed the fat from your tribe. Yeah, yeah. I'm just the first one to do it. Exactly. There's I'm, no point. There's no point in hanging on to those players who aren't going to do anything for you. So right, I got. I'm getting some good value out of my players too. Like I think Jessica was the last pick. I think Ken or Zeke was like in the second to last round. Yeah. So like, major value. We went to Goodwill on the first Saturday of the month. The <laughs> team, so, so all of our all of our last picks have forty points. Yes. Uh, Scott's first pick, which again, Scott was R in Jesus, so Scott didn't actually pick these. Uh, Scott's first pick was Paul, who got eliminated that first episode after the draft. Mm -hmm. Mine was Adam, and Emily's was Sunday. Mm -hmm. Which, in that regard, Paul had zero, Adam had 60, Emily had 45. Which means that actually none of our best players were the first people that we picked. Yeah, right. Uh, anyone interested in making a trade? Nope. No, this is terrifying. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> can't break up that green avocado. No toast team. That's the only <laughs> thing is like, I really would be interested in breaking up that green avocado no toast team. But <laughs> Yeah, I said I was nervous about it, but I just have to double down. <laughs> I feel like even though I'm in last, I, I, I enjoy the people on my team for now. So All right. Yeah, I've got a good We'll hold Pat. And so that means next time on Outwatch, we will be diving into episode seven of Millennials vs. Gen X titled, I Will Destroy You. That's the real name of this episode. Money is that Taylor names that episode. That would be a good bet that you would cash out on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stuff you in a locker, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Unlikely, <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> uh, make sure that you are subscribed to our feed so that you don't miss any of our podcasts. You can find them wherever you enjoy your podcasts, whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any other of your favorite host sites. Um, check us out on YouTube under Megabed Media, where you'll find this podcast, as well as other members of the Megabed Media family, including Dungeon Arcade. Um, and a fun survivory online game we played called Quarantine Island. And then also listener support is active for Outwatch, a survivor rewatch podcast. 
if you enjoy what we're doing here and want to ensure that we continue making this good, good survivor content, exactly what I love and crave, then uh, just drop us a few bucks a month. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it. And it will go towards the No More Cola Guard ads fund um, for Outwatch. Uh, stay tuned as we continue working through this season. It's about to get real good, folks. Uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>